This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. say anything bad about anybody. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I'm a happy-go-lucky kind of a guy. I think uh, almost everybody that I, that knows me, even the people that may not like me, will, both people that I know personally and people that listen, will acknowledge that I'm a pretty nice guy. I mean, again, I'm not trying to hold myself out as some sort of a saint. I'm certainly not. But I, I am someone that likes to get along with, with everybody. And th- that has been to my detriment from time to time. But I like to get along with everybody. I love everybody. And I want to be liked by everybody. That being said, th- this is going to sound mean, but uh, so be it. I am so done with Liz Cheney. I mean, I'm look I think we have four screens on right now over the course of the from, with four different channels. Over the course of the last hour, Liz Cheney has been on each of these screens. She's everywhere. She her book Oath and Honor which sounds the alarm about the danger of a second Donald Trump term and the serious potential for Democratic backsliding in the United States. It's currently topping the Amazon charts. It's so popular. How popular is it? It's so popular that Amazon currently notes that it is temporarily out of stock of hardcover copies. Amazon! The biggest monopoly bookseller in the world is out of copies of Liz Cheney's book. It's flying off the shelves. Meanwhile, she is on every television network saying the same thing every single time. Her appearance on Rachel Maddow's MSNBC show on Monday drew 3.1 million viewers. She was on with John Dickerson on CBS on uh, on uh, CBS this morning. They did a preview, I think, on CBS Sunday morning or on Face Face the Nation. She spoke on Tuesday with uh, Savannah Guthrie in the afternoon with Nicole Wallace in the evening. This is just one day, Tuesday, in the evening with Anderson Cooper. On Wednesday, today, she's scheduled to appear on CNBC's Squawk Box. Then she'll sit for an interview with Jake Tapper. And then finally, she's going to go on Ari Mulber's show. On Thursday, she's going to go back to CBS News. And she's also keeping busy recording her podcast, recording podcasts. She's going to be on uh, with David Remnick, Charlie Sykes, Kara Swisher. And again, everywhere she goes, it's some version of 
this. This is her from the Today Show and one of her many media appearances. Basically, Trump sucks. I'll save you the $25 or however much the she's selling the book for. It's Trump sucks. That's the whole uh, gist of everything she's saying in all of these interviews. You said in the starkest terms, we will be voting on whether to preserve our republic in the next election. You think this is a vote about whether or not we still have democracy in this country. It certainly is. You know, and, and Donald Trump has told us exactly what he will do. He will not abide by the rulings of the courts. Uh, he uh, will certainly appoint people to office, whether or not they can be confirmed by the Senate. Um, he uh, has talked about using the military uh, in terms that uh, really are fundamentally un-American, uh, including here in the United States. So it's a very dangerous moment. And it's a moment for people to understand that 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 cannot be the path that we go down as a country. Lest you had any doubt about what a threat to the republic and what a threat to democracy Donald Trump is. Liz Cheney leaves no doubt as to what the story is. Do you believe if Donald Trump were elected next year that he would try to stay in office beyond a second term? That he would never leave office? There's no question. You think he would try to stay in power forever? Absolutely. I mean, he's already done it once. He said he will do it again. He's expressed no remorse for what he did. All right. Okay. Now, let's just let's just be honest here. Okay. Liz Cheney lost her congressional seat by 36 points. She was only elected in the first place because of who her father was. I mean, that's that's a fact. Okay, and look, that happens in politics. Uh, I don't know that uh, Robert Menendez would be in Congress today if his father wasn't Bob Menendez. And that goes for um, a lot of other people in in Congress over the years. Yet corporate. This is someone who owes her entire political career to her father. This is someone who was rejected by her own party overwhelmingly. Yet the corporate media loves her. Loves her. She's on every network, on all these podcasts. There's all these articles talking about how incredible this book is. When Meanwhile, she's saying the same thing that everybody else has said. They treat her like this wise, virtuous, vital statesman. It's Henry Kissinger plus Warren Christopher with a dose of Madeleine Albright. For one reason, because she hates Trump. That's all it takes. So now this woman who represents everything that liberals used to hate, warrantless wiretapping, uh, the Iraq war, really every war. She's been for every war ever, as has her father. She used to be the personification of everything liberals despised. She is now going to get filthy rich. Well, I guess how filthy is rich, that's, that's debatable. She's now going to get rich from liberals buying her book. Um, this longstanding tactic of in the United States to accuse anyone who doesn't support whatever new war they're excited about, whether it's Iraq, Ukraine, or Israel, of being pro-terrorist, that is straight out of the Liz Cheney, David Frum playbook. Do you remember that? I mean, if you didn't support the Iraq war, they would label you as a pro-Saddam. Liz Cheney is a handmaiden of the military-industrial complex. 
She and her father have been for every war ever. Dick Cheney, of course, could have served in Vietnam, but he chose not to. And yet, because because Donald Trump has a very different view of foreign policy than Liz Cheney does, she's never really been comfortable with Trump and the different direction he's taking the, taking the Republican Party. Um, and, you know, it's just, I just am so over Liz Cheney and the media, and again, she could say whatever she wants. Now she's talking about running as a third party candidate. Why? To stop Trump. Now, God bless her. Everybody who wants to run for anything should run. Good for you. She certainly has got a right to write whatever her, she wants in her book. Uh, if she can be, she makes some money with people buying it. Good for her. I just can't imagine why people are falling over themselves to treat her like she's this, I don't know, this incredible statesman. So, um, you know, letting Liz Cheney off the hook for being wrong, as far as I'm concerned, on every single foreign policy issue over her entire career and her entire life, quite frankly. I mean, she should be held to account for that. Now, she was on Rachel Maddow, as I mentioned. They drew 3.1 million viewers. And if you watch it, Rachel Maddow makes a big deal in her intro that she and Liz Cheney are far apart on every policy issue imaginable. Now, that's true, I'm sure, on domestic issues, but it's not true foreign policy. On foreign policy, they are in lockstep. And that's where she parts from the new kind of Trumpian GOP. The only solace in seeing the media orgasm over Liz Cheney over the last week is that we're at least getting a little bit of a break from the corporate media going out of their way to shell for the uh, newest 21st century war maiden, uh, Nikki Haley, who makes no bones about that she's for every war as well. Um you know, and it's going to be very interesting to see where where that whole thing goes. I mean, there's a lot of parallels between Nikki Haley and uh, and Liz Cheney. Now, I had this on my list yesterday. Let me just mention this. The one of the fundamental issues was <clears throat> that Liz Cheney had takes issue with the kind of Trump wing of the Republican Party on, and uh, and others is Ukraine. And in three critical arenas, the halls of Congress, European capitals, and on the battlefield, this is how Axios termed it, and I think they're right, Ukraine's war effort has encountered a storm of stalemates. Now, a lot of the world's attention has focused on Israel and Gaza, and President Biden and NATO's pledge to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. Well, as long as it takes is apparently another three weeks. Because the White House warned uh, two days ago that without congressional action, the U.S. government will run out of resources to support Ukraine by the end of the year. They wrote to congressional leaders, there's no magical pot of funding available to meet this moment. We are out of money and nearly out of time. The bipartisan Senate talks on a border package, because basically what the Republicans said was, uh, all right, we'll give you your Ukraine money. We'll give you your Israel money, but we want money for border security. Those um, 
bipartisan Senate talks have stalled. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, said that Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will remotely join or did remotely join a classified briefing with senators because an an initial vote on a Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan and border funding package uh, was not going to pass without GOP support. And everybody acknowledges that uh, Zelensky is the best salesman for this so far. And leaders of the EU which some Republicans say should bear more of the burden for supporting Ukraine, they're embroiled in a massive budget dispute as well. On the battlefield, Putin's bet that uh, this that his invading forces could outlast Western political will, uh, that has absolutely uh, uh, paid off, at least it appears to be. And the salesmanship from the Biden White House as to why that people should agree to this more Ukraine funding, to me, is just ridiculous. Now, to me, there's only one reason why we should be giving significant amounts of military aid to another country. Only one reason. If it's good for the United States. That's it. That's it. So initially, we were told, well, we got to support Ukraine because they're fighting for freedom. They're fighting for democracy. They're fighting for all these Jeffersonian democratic values. And then General Lloyd Austin and others, including Bill Crystal, who's one of the cheerleaders of this, they basically came out and admitted, okay, 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 we don't really care what happens to Ukraine. Um, Whatever happens, happens. But it's so important that we continue to fund them and continue to give them military aid because we have to weaken Russia. And some people could get behind that. Some people could say, okay, all right, Russia's maybe our greatest geopolitical foe. I disagree with that, but... Um, we have to weaken them. And if fighting, if keeping them busy in Ukraine keeps them from invading New Jersey and Maryland and Alaska, so be it. Now they see that's not effective, not with the public, and that's reflected in the polling, and not with Congress. So the Biden administration is now making an economic appeal to Republicans skeptical of supporting aid to Ukraine. They released data that shows some of the biggest defense contracts related to the war effort, are located in red states. Now, finally, I I don't agree with just continuing to give them money, but finally I want to give them some points for being honest. Now, let's just admit that this is what this was all about. This was never about fighting for Ukraine. It was certainly never about fighting for the United States. This was all about doing what Liz Cheney and Nikki Haley want done, which is kowtowing to these giant military defense contractors and they've seen their profits go sky high. They've seen their stock price go sky high while we're struggling to pay for groceries and gasoline. Well, gasoline a little less these days. But we're getting kicked around by inflation. We're borrowing money both as individuals and as a government and the people getting rich are Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, and every other military defense contractors. Now at least they're acknowledging this is what it's all about. So they released data, the Biden administration in their letter to the uh, Republicans, showing where some of the biggest defense contracts related to the war effort and that it's located in red states. The Pentagon has been circulating a map on Capitol Hill that breaks down 
U.S. spending on weapon systems, equipment, and munitions by state. This was reported by Politico. Six of the top ten states receiving investment from four previous Ukraine packages are states that former President Trump won in 2020. A total of $2.3 billion, for instance, has been invested in Arkansas, which ranks number one in this country. Arizona and Pennsylvania, which are critical swing states that Biden managed to flip in 2020, they come in at number two and number three. So their arguments, the Biden White House argument to Congress, especially the reluctant congressional Republicans, is, hey, vote for this Ukraine funding because it's good for the economy of Arkansas and Arizona and Pennsylvania and California, and Texas, and Florida, and Alabama, and West Virginia, and Massachusetts, and Ohio. Give me a break. Can we talk about what would be good for the economy in not sending hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine, where you know a lot of that is either being pilfered or it's disappearing down a black hole? They can't even account for all this, where this money is going. How about we stop doing that, stop borrowing money, or if we're going to borrow money, let's use it to provide security for, I don't know, our own border? Or stuff that we need in America, like crumbling roads, bridges, and tunnels? And I do not want to hear any more of this narrative that I heard two years ago nonstop portraying Zelensky as Nelson Mandela meets Winston Churchill, this this patriotic hero of freedom. This guy is an autocrat, okay? Let's, let's be honest. The man in the olive drab t-shirt is an autocrat. And it's not me saying this. It is some of the most prominent political figures in Ukraine. Semaphore, their newsletter writes that Kiev mayor... Vitaly Klitschko, you might remember the Klitschko brothers. They were very big boxers, heavyweight champions in the United States and around the world. The Kiev mayor, Vitaly Klitschko, and a senior opposition politician, these are people in different parties, each recently criticized President Vladimir Zelensky, warning in interviews with Der Spiegel of the risk of authoritarianism. Quote, at some point, we will no longer be any different from Russia where everything depends on the mood of a single man. They've outlawed opposition media. They've outlawed opposition political parties. They've even outlawed opposition uh, religions. I mean, what is going on here? This guy's not fighting for freedom. He's fighting for Zelensky. So uh, one of the few consistent and sane voices on this issue has been Senator Rand Paul. I'm not sure when these comments are from, uh, but he's... Speaking here on the Senate floor as to why Ukraine's had enough money. I will not consent to any expedited passage of any spending bill that provides any more American aid to Ukraine. It's as if no one has noticed that we have no extra money to send to Ukraine. Our deficit this year will exceed $1.5 trillion. Borrowing money from China to send it to Ukraine makes no sense. It's not as if we have some sort of rainy day fund sitting around trillions of dollars at a pot of money. And we're just going to send that to Ukraine. We're going to borrow it. When we borrow it and create new money to pay for that borrowing, we create the inflation that is plaguing our economy. 
Now, obviously, people like Lindsey Graham, I have uh, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell. They've been singing a different tune. So there are divisions within the uh, GOP as uh, as well. Uh, but I'm so over this Liz Cheney, this Liz Cheney infatuation. I, I really am. I, and the Nikki Haley infatuation. I, honestly, I really it's just again, it's America. People should be for whatever candidate they want. It's just if if you want to become wealthy and if you want to be celebrated as some genius of foreign policy there are two things that you need to do one is just hate donald trump and look i i would not like i'm hoping that i'll have a choice in the general election of someone other than trump that i can vote for i'm not eager to vote for trump but if the choice is nikki haley liz cheney donald trump and joe biden you better believe i'm voting for donald trump absolutely but um, if you want to be wealthy, just write a book bashing Donald Trump and how horrible that he is. If you want to be celebrated as this brilliant foreign policy mastermind, as this mature adult, then just be for every military conflict ever. And you'll get on all the Sunday shows, just like Lindsey Graham, just like uh, John McCain. That's it. That's all you have to do. And if you could do both, as Liz Cheney has done, oh, my goodness, forget about it. That's the, that's the home run right there. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Noam Layden will join us in about uh, a few minutes. You know who else is back? Jimmy Stewart. I'll tell you how in just a bit. Russell is in White Plains. Hello, Russell. Oh, hi, Frank. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about Worcestershire sauce and cottage cheese, but you went on to so much. Frank? Do you think Trump is the only one to open the door to multi-party democracy and that's why they, they want want to get rid of him? And I think they're going to attempt to cancel the 2024 election. Do you think that's a real possibility? I don't, honestly. I, I, I don't. I don't see that happening. I, I think, uh, you know, I think even Trump's biggest detractors seeing where he is on the polls at this point would realize that there would be literal anarchy in the streets if you tried to actually cancel the election. I don't see that happening. I think they tried to do that in the summer of 2020. We saw what they did. And Frank, I've heard that Zelensky's canceled the closed-door meeting with Congress, uh, with the Senate, and I expect him to be hanging from the street lamp anytime soon, very soon. Well, but, I, I know, hope that I doesn't happen, obviously. Well, uh, he's, if they want to trade blood for votes, I don't think uh, any... Anything like that would be a problem. And, you know, I know Scott Ritter's not available. Have you ever interviewed Miko Paled of the author, the Israeli author of The General's Son? I, I don't believe I have, actually. He's making the rounds now, and he presents a Israeli, a dissenting point of view that isn't heard in the mainstream media. And, you know, pe- people look up Miko Paled. His father was a general in the IDF. His grandfather signed the uh, Israeli Declaration of Independence. He has a lot of credibility. And one last thing about the speed limiter, if I, I can say it real quick. Yeah. Un- unintended consequences like tailgating, reckless weaving in and out. You know, then the police won't be enforcing because they'll be they'll say, oh, you know, let them take care of it. I think mobile traffic enforcement connected by AI using GPS onboard car computers at one mile interviews randomly positioned where drivers have to practice self-control. That's what we need in this country practicing self-control. Thank you very much. Frank. Thank you, Russell. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. I, I, yeah, I want to absolutely distance myself from Russell's comments about him, him hanging from a 
street lamp. I mean, um, you know, Zelensky's benefactor, you know, they all are backed by oligarchs in Ukrainian politics, in Ukrainian uh, politics, or they're oligarchs themselves. His benefactor is this guy, Kamoisky, uh, who has benefited enormously from the Zelensky government. And I, I think, you know, Zelensky is going to end, uh, you know, his life in retirement in very lavish conditions, probably sipping margaritas on a desert island somewhere or a tropical island somewhere, not a desert island. David is in Pennsylvania. Hi. Hello, is this Frank? Uh, when last seen. Yeah. Hey, is that better on speaker or not? Uh, give it a shot, David. What's on your mind? Okay. Listen, you were just talking about Zawinski. You, you, you covered about five subjects by the time I, I, I got there. But Z- Zelensky, if you recall, when Trump was running, and I think that, that uh, the, the present administration has a, a right to look into the last administration, and then they impeach Trump, and now we're in a war. But anyway, that being said, you were talking about Liz Cheney and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Nikki Haley. Now, in my opinion, Frank, women should not be commander in chief for the simple fact that women do not have to sign up for selective service. Only 18 year old natural born males, $250,000 fine and felony. Now, if the shoe was on the other foot and you'd send all the women off to war, but if Congress goes to vote and you only have women, you know, your, your daughters or whatever, you may, you, but if, if your daughters were going to go off to war with your, with your aunts or, or sisters, along with the sons and uncles, they may think twice. Yeah, so I, I mean, David, that- honestly, I, I completely disagree with you. I mean, look, if you want to change that policy of having the women register for selective service, then by all means, let's have a conversation about it. Let's change the policy. But um, for you to say that she shouldn't be president or no woman should be president, I mean, it's ridiculous. Honestly, it's ridiculous. Uh, someone that I think would make a great president is Tulsi Gabbard who is in the military right now. She's a military officer right now. So is somehow she disqualified because um, you registered for the selective service and she chose to volunteer for the military? No. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. I mean, I think people like Liz Cheney should be disqualified because of their views, because they're pro-torture, because they're pro-warrantless wiretapping, because they're pro-CIA black sites, because uh, they're pro-military-industrial complex, because they're pro-every war that has ever existed. Um, not because they're women. No. 800, in my judgment, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Hey, Roger in Baltimore has been holding a while. I know we're going to get to know him, but let me say hello uh, to Roger. Hi, Roger. Uh, hey, man. Uh, suggestion you might be able to use in terms of the, uh, you know, exposing young kids to uh, TV and uh, computers. Um, two things based on my childhood and my daughter's kids, my grandkids. So number one, when I was a kid, I remember my parents limited me half an hour of TV. I was leave it a beaver or something like that. And uh, but that was contingent on, you know, that we behave well, we clean up after dinner. Um, you know, I treat my brother and sister well. Uh, you know, you know that I I behave properly. And, and so the TV was not actually presented as a punishment; it was presented as a re- reward. And there was a limit, though, half an hour. I mean, you know, every kid always tries to push that. Oh, you know, the next show or next show, you got to, you know, you say a half an hour, you got to stick to it. And the kid learns very quickly. I got a half an hour, you know, mom and dad, you know, that's it. (laughs) You know, you don't create a conflict about it. 
uh, and it's and it's a reward. Now, my grandkids, of course, now, uh, right? There's computers. It's not just the TV. So you got a couple of things. You got to decide what they're going to watch, how long they're going to watch it, and when do you start showing it to them. So right. So as a parent of new kids coming in, you got three choices there. When do you start to show it? You know, when they're one year old. Well, I don't know. My daughter. No, no, no. She didn't start anything until the kids could at least understand spoken language. Mm -hmm. And then and then you, she could say, OK, you have 15 minutes and that's it. But she always connected the 15 minutes to a positive behavior. You get the TV, you get a computer, whatever. If it's if you you know, you treat your brother well, you know, you clean up after your meal, you know, you, you take your dishes, put them in the sink, whatever. You know, however, you as a parent want to create the environment that it's a reward for them. And you must stick to the time limit that you say, okay, maybe when they're four years old, maybe you give them, I don't know, 15 minutes or something. You can't just put it in front and you walk away because you got stuff to do half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour later, you come back and, and they're still quiet, but they also learn there's no limit. And then the next thing, when you want to say, oh, it's only 15 minutes, they're screaming at you. So whatever, you, you know, you, when you set the limit, you have to do it as a parent, stick with it and they will adjust. They'll test you. For a hundred percent, they're going to say, "Oh, come on, man! You know, give me a no." You say it's a, and you stay calm, and then they don't test it after a while if you follow through like that. Of course, you got to choose. That's the, the other part. We said you got to choose what to watch. And my daughter puts on these educational things, but there's enough educational stuff that's really made in a fun way now that the kids are not just sitting there mindlessly, sure, blowing out. So. So if you're smart about it, you monitor what they're doing, you choose what they're watching, you put a time limit on it, you explain, you stick to it, and it's in, a, and it's in the context of kind of like for good behavior or whatever it is that they're doing good that you, you know, that they do. Yeah, you get your, you know, your 50 minutes. And if they, and if they, I don't know, they're not good. They're not, All right, you know, Roger, not, I got to move on here. I, I appreciate the the edu the lesson there. Thank you. I mean, I was uh, again. He waited on hold for an hour and twenty minutes. I figured I would let him say his piece, but. After a certain point, we get it. I mean, we get it. We understand what he's saying. Last thing I'll say about Liz Cheney, or and everybody else for that matter, I have read, no exaggeration, 10 articles in the last week talking about what a danger um, Donald Trump is to democracy. And, and again, I, I'm not planning on uh, voting for Trump at this moment, but um, – you know, just how, basically what Liz Cheney says. He said, here. in the starkest terms, we will be voting on whether to preserve our republic in the next election. You think this is a vote about whether or not we still have democracy in this country? It certainly is. You know, and, and Donald Trump has told us exactly what he will do. He will not abide by the rulings of the courts. Uh, he uh, will certainly appoint people to office, whether or not they can be confirmed by the Senate. Um, he uh, has talked about using the military uh, in terms that uh, really are fundamentally un-American, uh, including here in the United States. So it's a very dangerous moment, and it's a moment for people to understand that, that that cannot be the path that we go down as a country. Now, I just – so I've seen articles in the New York Times, Washington Post, and The Atlantic just in the last few days, including written by people like Jeffrey Goldberg. By the way, Jeffrey Goldberg was one of the people – during the Bush administration that peddled the lie that somehow Saddam Hussein was tied to the 9-11 attacks. There's no telling how many people have died, American, Iraqi, and others, because of the lies that Jeffrey Goldberg helped sell to the American people. And yet 
he's saying and Liz Cheney is saying that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy and a threat to the republic. Fine. Now, I can understand why they're saying that about Trump. But I want to hear those same people, Liz Cheney, Jeffrey Goldberg, and others, with the sa- and Chris Christie, with the same enthusiasm and with the same wherewithal, talk about how Zelensky is a threat to democracy. I want to hear that. Because to me, if you're going to say that uh, Donald Trump is a threat to democracy and you're not going to equally in those same terms make the same case about this guy that we're giving hundreds of billions of dollars to and was held up as an international symbol of democracy and freedom, then you have no credibility with me. I mean, Liz Cheney didn't have a whole lot of credibility with me to begin with, but more so. All right, I'm sorry to go on so long. Uh, David, Pete, now I will make an effort to get with get to you after we talk with Noam Layden. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from Jennifer Harrison. What a beautiful voice Adele has. And uh, it's a great selection by Jennifer Harrison, who is a great advocate for victims' rights in her own right. And uh, I'm glad she picked this. This is tremendous. You ever want to know what kind of music we're uh, playing on this program? Join the Facebook group. Uh, just go on Facebook and uh, type Morano, M-O-R-A-N-O, radio, fans and haters, and uh, you will not only be treated to various musical selections, you will hear a variety of p- opinions about this show. So far, the only person on this show, including myself and Matt Blaze, that just about everybody seems to like is the person that has just walked into our studio. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. And its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, Noam. Good morning, Frank. This story comes from one of your overnight listeners who's been a fan since the moment you came on the air. His name is Mitch, Mitch. and he owns this organization, this company. It's called HireSanta.com, which is having this incredible year. It's what you might think it is. It's a place you go to to get a Santa to come to your store, to your function, to your kid's party. They show up. They do the Santa thing. They go home. They get paid. It's all online. He has Santas all over the country, and he says that business is incredible this year. We're up 
36% in terms of people reaching out to us compared with last year. And last year was a record year. That's translated into we're up 160% in terms of the actual number of events that we're doing this year. Small and medium-sized businesses, they're booking Santa Claus to help associate their brands with Christmas more than ever before. So the reason he reached out to me, Frank, is not to tell me how great business is, which, of course, he's happy yeah. about, is that he can't get people to play Santa. Are you kidding? No. There are not enough Santas to go around. This has been true, by the way, at malls across the country, too, the ones that are still open. The problem is some of it is a COVID took out the older senior citizen oh. Santas. A lot of them died during COVID. So he, they lost that population. Then there's a population who loves to do this thing of dressing up in costume, be it Santa or something else. Um, they've been hesitant since COVID to go back to work to be around kids because they're afraid of getting sick. Sure. And so here he is. Business, he says, is better than it's ever been. I mean, in the time that he's owned this website and that he's been hiring Santa's. Business is incredible, but he's having to turn down gigs because people don't want to play Santa like they used to. So here's the rub, he says, and uh, I guess I'm only helping him out here, but I just think it's an interesting story. Uh, It pays on average, not every gig, but on average, it pays 150 bucks an hour. So you would think people would go for a gig like that. And by the way, he says he can keep you busy many hours of the day right up and maybe even through Christmas Day. That's uh, I'm considering that as <laughs> yeah. a, a side gig. That's pretty good. You know, the two best Santa Clauses, other than the real one that I've ever uh, ex- experienced, are my friend John Tobacco, who, you know, is, I'm sure you know, he's been one of the leaders of these anti-migrant rallies. He, uh, uh, every Christmas, goes as Santa Claus to underprivileged children and visits them. And a lot of times they're terminally ill, visits them at their house, brings them gifts. He's great as Santa. And I've seen him in a variety of other instances. And my friend, and uh, Guy Zoda, King Henry, who um, has been the on-field MC for the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones, he's phenomenal. Those are the two best. I'm going to tell both of them about Mitch's uh, organization here. That's great. Yeah, they could uh, make some serious dose. No doubt. You know, you got to pay for those presents, right? Why put them on a credit card when you can pay cash under 50 bucks an hour? Exactly. Hey, while we're talking Santa Claus, there is a pastor in Texas who's been standing outside an elementary school there in Amarillo telling kids that Santa isn't real, oh. which just, just seems like what, you know, what an awful thing to Who's do. Who's doing this? He's a pastor, oh. and he's a religious guy, and he says he thinks this is all nonsense, and he said he would never tell his kids anything about Santa because it's all about Jesus Christ, the holiday of Christmas. What a loser. So uh, not only did he stand outside this elementary school this week where parents were saying, come on, you know, screaming at him from their cars as they were dropping off their kids to class saying, don't ruin it for our kids. Right. You know, if you don't believe in Santa or you don't yeah, want to have Santa, you. it's on you. So, no, he doesn't stop there. He then shows up at a mall in Amarillo. He stands outside the area where the Santa Claus is sitting, where kids are coming to tell their wishes and what they want to Santa Claus, and he starts screaming this. Today we're at the mall in Amarillo, Texas, and we're going to tell the children here today the truth that there is no Santa Claus and that it's Christmas is about Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to pay for Folks, my name is Pastor David. Kids, I wanted to tell you today that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Santa Claus does not exist. The man you're going to see today is just a man in a suit. 
dressed up like Santa, but Santa does not exist. Yeah, so you can imagine here this that line, by the way, in this video is long because, of course, people lining up at this time of year and the parents are all just sort of looking at it and come on, why are you ruining it for my kids? This is just a great moment. Being I can't a, stand this guy. This guy is awful. Yeah, he's done this before, by the way. This is not the first year he's done it, but he's back again this year doing it, making parents and kids upset all across Texas. He's horrible. Horrible. Have, have you followed this story, Frank? Of um, T.J. Holmes and Amy oh, Robach. I had this on my list today, but I didn't get to it. I'm glad you're bringing it up. Yeah, so, update us on this. So if you haven't followed the story, T.J. Holmes, Amy Robach were the co-hosts of one of the um, Good Morning America shows. There's seven of them or something during the course of the morning. They were the late version of that show, and they were both married. And uh, they fell in love with each other and had an affair and cheated on their spouses. And it came out in the papers and it became this huge scandal. So much so that the two were knocked off of Good Morning America. They were pretty popular hosts. They lost their gigs. And uh, I guess to their credit, a year later, they are still together. And they've talked about how awful this last year was, not only being found out, but then having to explain in some cases to kids and to their spouses that they had cheated on them. But how great is the ending of this story? So um, one of the people that uh, Amy Robach was married to, Andrew Hsu. You might remember Andrew Hsu is a good-looking actor, former soccer star. I remember my wife at one point had a crush on this guy. He's a very good-looking guy. And um, Andrew Hsu and Marilee Feibig. So Andrew Hsu was uh, Amy Robach's husband before she cheated on him. And Marilee Feibig was T.J. Holmes' wife before he cheated on her. So now they're left without a spouse. They're devastated that their spouse has cheated on them. They find each other. And apparently the two of them have been dating now for the last six months. So how weird is this? So T.J. Holmes and Amy Robach cheat on their spouses. They're still together a year later. The people they left behind, they cheated on, are now together. I, I find this amazing. And I wonder how common this is, this swapping of partners, yeah. basically, which they appear to have done. I mean, I, I don't think it's unusual for uh, people that have both been cuckolded to want to discuss the situation with the other person's spouse. And I wonder how often this leads to sparks flying. I started to research this a little bit because I had the exact same question. It does not happen very often at all. Usually, the two don't want to have anything to do with each other because they're just devastated right, by sure. the predicament that they're in. But these two, it doesn't hurt that all four of these people are incredibly good looking, right? So with the spouses uh, who were left behind, very good looking. The two that are that cheated on their spouses and are still together today, also very good looking. But okay, maybe this all works out okay. I mean, terrible for the kids, but uh, they've all found each other and they've coupled up. And uh, for Christmas, they'll have somebody to spend the holiday yeah. with. God bless them. Uh, well, thank you, Noam. And now you know the rest of the story. With the iconic drawl, recognizable to anyone who has seen It's a Wonderful Life, which is on a lot this time of year, or Vertigo, the voice of the beloved actor Jimmy Stewart narrates a bedtime story that was released yesterday on the meditation app Calm. Here's what it sounds like. Well, hello. I'm James Stewart. But, well, you can call me Jimmy. Tonight, I'm going to tell you a story 
It's a heartwarming story of love, of loss, of hope, and of joy. But most of all, it's a wonderful sleep story. Now that's nice. Now, unfortunately, it's not actually a recording of Jimmy Stewart, who died in 1997. Instead, this is a clone made by feeding old recordings of his voice through an artificial intelligence system. I have to tell you, I mean, I don't know if his heirs gave permission for this or not. This is terrible. This is terrible. Jimmy Stewart never said that. I think it's great if if you want to look back at every recording Jimmy Stewart has ever made and replay it a million times. I think that's wonderful. I hope people do that for me when I die. But for you to clone and create words that he never said and have him actually say the words that he's James Stewart. Well, hello. I'm James Stewart. It's not right. It's unethical. It's wrong. And people are going to grow up. You know, we have now a whole generation of people that think it's okay to be spied upon all day long and have okay to have the government and whoever else wants to watch you and spy upon you do so. Because that's what they've grown up with over the last 20 years. My fear is now that this is becoming the norm. James Stewart. But, well, you can call me Jimmy. Kids are going to grow up thinking that, oh, it's fine to use whatever, anybody's image you want, anybody's voice you want. Just recreate it, take stuff they never said, and it's not okay. We got to put a stop to this. We have to put a stop to this. It's not right. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a second, but um, Al, Pete, and David have been very patient in waiting, so I'm going to try and get to them as uh, if we can here. I'll just ask if, if they can try to keep their comments brief. Al is here in New York. Hello. Hey, good morning. Great show as always. Thank um, you. I had uh, a recipe for that, but uh, I know the other guys are on the line. May I just ask one question, um, if you could, a favor? Uh, this might be my last birthday. I never know. I've been following you for a couple of years. Uh, somebody dedicated a song for you, a friend of mine. Uh, could you play that one time? Absolutely. Uh, can Can you get us the recording? Um, it's on It's on YouTube. It's Min M I N A K O sings. Minico sings, and the song is Laughter in the Rain. Just click on the, the title, and you'll see that it's dedicated to you, Rachel, and Carmine. Oh, that's nice. Can okay. you find that, Matt Blaze? We'll, we'll play it uh, not today, but tomorrow. Minico sings. Yeah, another time. Thanks Th- for thank thank right. you, Al. Appreciate it. I'm sorry we didn't have more time to shout. You'll work on that for tomorrow, maybe, Matt. Pete in New Jersey, hi. Yeah, Frank, uh, briefly, you're a brave human being for your recent monologues. I'm an average Catholic guy. I have not had a television for 30 years. I'm so thankful about that. No sports, no news, no movies, no fictitious voices coming from women like Liz Cheney and uh, uh, Haley Barber or whatever the hell her name is, Mickey Haley from South Carolina. Fictitious voices. I feel so grateful with no television. I heard the Orthodox Jewish man, David, before say something about the similar subject. Uh, it's it's Pete, normal. Pete, thank you. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. I have to run. Uh, David, uh, we'll, we'll try and give you more than more than the, just 15 seconds in just a minute. And then for everybody else, we'll give you 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.
Other Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Great, Andy B singing our theme song. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a moment, but David was holding. I want to make sure we give David a, a couple more seconds than that. Hey, David, what's on your mind? Hey, um, because of the limited time, I'll just do a 15 seconds blurb if that's okay. Um, RFK Jr. admitted that he uh, spent time with Jeffrey Epstein at least twice on his private jet. I think the next time someone wants to know why, he should just say that. Epstein was the only person who would let him walk barefoot to the bathroom on his plane. Thank you. The other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Mike. Rick. The climate commies are taking away our fuel and our cars, and now they want our food. When are we going to take the power away from the elites by killing the climate change scam? Rocco. Yes, Frank. Uh, Jimmy Stewart here. I'm anointing you professor of politics. Ladies, I'm available. I'm single. Mike. Good morning, Frank. Santa always puts a twinkle in my eye, but Dino and son puts a twinkie on my palate. Roger. Moxie is still available up in uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont. You can get in the supermarket. Doing so, don't ever buy. On that note, uh, we'll talk Pearl Harbor and the LIRR shooting tomorrow. Got a lot of other interesting content as well. Frank Morano, good day.